0: all right welcome to the jig is up everybody of course i am darcy and with me is jason hey buddy
1: hey how are things down south
0: you know it's great i hear you're having some another beautiful second 13th winter or whatever what number of winter you want yeah uh january the 13th
1: the 93rd or something like that i can't remember
0: so good for you it snowed up there i'm happy for you it snowed here on monday so
1: yay that's good you know? Yeah, I think I think it'll get spring right about August.
0: Yeah, well, just in time, yeah. It'll be perfect. Um Hey, maybe there won't be that much flooding this year because it'll still be winter throughout most of the spring and summer, so
1: you never know. Oh we saved we saved the flooding for you guys down south,
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah, well I, I guess Sixica down here is actually on a state of emergency, I guess. I think it was Sixica that I was reading the other day. They're having massive floods out there, so
1: I, I saw that in the news, not good.
0: No. So it has begun. At least we're getting the, you know, so I guess there is some spring flooding and, and we're still getting winter. So, hey, that's fantastic. Um, but,
1: Life on the prairies. Yeah, yeah, that's right.
0: So I just wanted to, uh, I want to start off quickly by letting everybody, reminding everybody that uh, if you want access to exclusive interviews, exclusive content, and some really cool uh, rewards and, and and stuff, Uh. For basically the price of a cup of coffee a month, if you head over to our Patreon account, you can uh, pledge up and then you'll get ex- uh, exclusive access to interviews we've done. We, we have a, we're trying to get them out every Sunday. Uh, so it's a great way to, to get access to that kind of stuff and help us grow the show. So that's great.
1: And for those of you who have uh, are, are real big fans, we offer uh, some, some giveaway items too if you really want to become a, a partner of the show. And uh, we're winding down the month of April, so some of those uh, items are going to be going into the vault. And uh, for the month of May, we'll be rolling out some new rewards.
0: Absolutely. And we're going to try to keep it kind of fresh and and new every month. So for the most part, uh, the exclusive content is kind of going to be one of those that stays. But, uh, yeah, keep checking it out. And there's going to be some cool things. We already have May or... um, yeah i guess it's May. i keep thinking it's march but it's uh april now
1: <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna have you some only, br- <laughs> only <feels like> march.
0: <laughs> absolutely so we're gonna have some really good stuff coming out in may so just uh be, be sure to check that out and we'll have the link to our patreon page uh in the description of this episode so now let's kick into a show let's get the show rolling uh I wanted to even start. Absolutely. There's so much to talk about. Um, I wanted to start off talking about uh, history in Alberta, was made this past week with the swearing in of the first uh, Indigenous woman as a judge to the bench here in Alberta. Um, Karen Croshew is now a judge of the Provincial Court of Alberta. Yes, that's fantastic.
1: Congratulations. Applause all around. So
0: she broke the glass oh, ceiling of it. How long ind- did
1: that take? Yeah. Yes.
0: <laughs> You know, only 113 years, come on.
1: Oh, it must take a long time for Indigenous people to make it through the, the legal training system.
0: I guess so. Well, it is difficult when it's only been since 1960 that they were considered even human beings, so... No uh, <laughs> But she, she did break a lot of glass ceilings here. She's the first Indigenous woman to the bench. Uh, she's the first uh, Blackfoot woman to the bench. And this is also... She also broke a glass ceiling... Uh, back in 1994 when she became the first Blackfoot woman mm-hmm. called to the bar. So uh, some, some amazing, uh, you know, things that she's done in her life to, to kind of pave the way for hopefully future generations of, of indigenous Definitely women. Definitely
1: a real, uh, absolutely a real tra- uh, trailblazer.
0: Yeah. So that's huge news here in Alberta. Uh, and I actually found out the ceremony was conducted in Blackfoot with, and there was some, some uh, prayer done and then there was some, a song perform uh, that was sung for her, so I thought that was really cool. That's something that I don't think you're going to see every day in a provincial court.
1: Wow, that, that's amazing. Yeah, we didn't get to see that.
0: Absolutely. Uh and then uh, she actually she had a great quote that she she quoted a a. Um, um, an Olymp an indigenous Olymp- Olympic athlete from 1984. And she said that the, the glory of one Aboriginal person is the glory of all Aboriginal people. So I thought that was kind of a fitting quote. I thought that was great.
1: Mm-hmm. That's amazing.
0: Yes. So our heartfelt congratulations go, go out to her. Uh, definitely Absolutely. something to be proud of. <laughs> 113
1: well, Let's years. hope it, let's just, yeah, the, the, Let's not make number two on another 113 years.
0: Yeah, exactly. I'm hoping that because she tra- she paved that path now, I'm hoping that we will see doors open for a lot of, uh, you know, young indigenous up-and-coming lawyers here in Alberta um, making really strong careers of things now. So here's to hoping. Um, I guess from there we're just going to jump right into <laughs> what was all over social media for the past week. Or this past weekend, anyway, uh, was the Métis Nation of Saskatchewan annual meeting or legislative assembly, whatever they call it out there, uh, the MNSLA. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yes, the Legislative Assembly of their society.
0: Yes, and or
1: that
0: would be <laughs> wow, was it ever a show! I mean, did you? You? I know you posted uh, a picture. What were what were your first kind of impressions, Jason?
1: Well, I mean, we've seen some of the styles of meeting before, right? And, and we've seen the, the MNC's annual meeting. I was wondering if in Saskatchewan they could rent a bigger stadium next time. <laughs> I don't know if I could have thrown a football from one end of that table to the other. Did they have carrier pigeons there to get messages <laughs> out across there? I didn't quite catch that part.
0: You know, it's funny. Even my daughter, she i was looking at the picture you posted and she walked back by me and she was like hey what's that i'm like oh they're having a annual meeting in uh in saskatchewan this is the metis nation of saskatchewan and she looked at the picture and she squinted real close and she was like but you can't even see the people on the other side of the room they look like tiny little dots I'm,
1: <laughs> i just started laughing i'm like well I've,
0: maybe it's bigger when you're in person i don't know
1: I don't know. Well, if nothing else, I'm sure the uh, concert was good. It looked like they had quite the jumbotrons. And, yes. Uh, that it was very nice, and the, the beaded podium stand. Yes. So it looked very flash. I just didn't understand the big, you know. Uh, I didn't know if we were watching. There was a powwow ceremony going to happen in the middle with the dancers taking up the whole middle floor, but apparently not.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I do know that I read a few comments. Uh, they had a lot of speeches from all the other provinces, and a lot of people thought that was really unnecessary. Um, It seemed to be kind of, in the comments I did read, it seemed to be a very prominent theme that that was wholeheartedly unnecessary and a waste of time.
1: Well, I did see, I think it was, uh, I know our good friend from the Manitoba Métis Federation was there. Yes. And he he spoke. Uh, I think there was the vice president of the Manitoba Métis Federation was the chair Yes, uh, or one of the Swiss speakers, and uh, you and I's personal favorite, the Grand Pooh himself was there. Yep. Although I did, I did notice conspicuously he was only wearing a baseball hat.
0: Oh, oh, okay. Well, there you go. It must not have been official enough.
1: <laughs> well, maybe in Saskatchewan that hat doesn't fly. So That's you right. Gotta put on, you got to put on the traditional Métis baseball cap.
0: Yeah, yeah. And
1: I, I do. We could be listening to our show and <laughs> realize. That hat's not in fashion anymore.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm sure that's it. Yeah. Uh, and I, I d- I'm
1: not I... sure anybody should take fashion advice from us.
0: No, I, I wouldn't say so. I would say chart your own path on that one. Um,
1: <laughs> After all we have. Yeah, yeah
0: <laughs> we certainly have. Um, I, I do think Audrey, uh, oh, sorry, Madame President from Alberta here mm-hmm. was there. So yeah. I, I do think she was there. And I didn't, hear anybody mention the president from the metis nation in bc but they could have been there as well i I don't know
1: yeah that one i don't know
0: but it it seemed to me um from the comments i read that they had spent more time doing the opening uh speeches from all of these other places talking about how wonderful and awesome and just fabulous life is everywhere else except saskatchewan um that they spent more time doing that than they did talking about things like their budget or, um, you know, things like that, things that actually matter to the members in Saskatchewan. Um,
1: yeah, I heard that was a huge deal that, uh, yeah, the opening ceremonies, uh, and the opening speeches took longer to get through than passing the budget. Yeah. So apparently speeches are much more important than finding out where your millions of dollars of government funding go.
0: (laughs) Well, you know, it's all about the pomp and ceremony, right, my friend? Yes, sir. Because nothing says more traditional than having a lot of speeches that nobody really cares about.
1: Well, it's all about speeches. And then, we, you know, you already know where the money's going to go and it's not to you. So, you know, it's all good.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, why not just pass, ram a budget through? I mean, it's not like anybody gets a say anyway. Um, yeah. I did, one of the things I noticed uh, that I thought I was both kind of, at first I thought was um, almost humorous in in the way it was being done, or the way they were treating people. But then after a while, realizing how absolutely horrible this situation was, was uh, there was a lady there, and I believe she's the, uh, what they are calling the resigned treasurer, which... Mm-hmm. Is up in the air. From what I understand, there's really no proof that she resigned, and they're still asking them for emails that have never been provided. Yeah. Uh, she walked in, and she stood in front of the speaker's um, table as as a bit of a protest of, of things, because she was, in her opinion, forcibly removed uh, or or you know resigned without her consent, mm-hmm. and so she was standing there and she stood there for like an hour, I guess. And when somebody tried to finally bring her a chair, they actually said, no, you cannot bring her a chair. And the people in charge of the whole meeting forced her to sit there and stand for, I don't even know how long, a few hours. I I don't know how long it was, but I, I just, uh, you know, like that is not a good way to start things off. Maybe.
1: Well, I think it, and I realize there's, there's uh, and I think this fundamentally, we talk about this a lot, shows how flawed the, the system is from the get-go. You know, when we have an organization where these things are in dispute, and, you know, we've talked about this before, where societies and their bylaws and proceedings don't allow for the respectful treatment of people that we would we treat another, I mean, regardless of the legality of the situation, we would treat another human being now.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it, it was just I, I thought, you know, first of all it's disrespectful to anybody, but then you're mm-hmm. you've got a woman standing up there and you're refusing to bring her a chair. Um like yeah, it just it's very disrespectful.
1: And Well because if they they because of the bylaws and because of the way these stupid societies work, if they bring her a chair and she sits down then they're formally recognizing her position.
0: And I think that's actually what they said was something like they're not recognizing mm-hmm. that. So, yeah, don't don't acknowledge her is really what it boils down to. That's right.
1: So, yeah. if you thought the setup was bad, and you thought the uh, the the jumbotrons were bad, and you thought making a person stand there for an hour was bad, it gets worse. <laughs> yeah did did you see the footage of the the fellas with the blue suits? <laughs>
0: Yeah. It look, apparently, um, I I'm, I'm assuming they had some Métis men that were uh, working for the police service there, because they showed up. Mm-hmm. That was interesting. Um, and yeah. then they had a conversation about leaving with a with a, a table of people, and I'm sure it was very polite and very cordial. Um. <laughs> yeah. No. It, that that was. Uh, Kind of over the top again, I mean, again, it boils down to that, like the the complete lack of respect for your own members when you're calling police on somebody.
1: That's right. I realize in meetings, they can be disorderly. I mean, you and I both know what Robert's Rules are like. Yes. It's so conducive to Indigenous discussion (laughs) and, and letting everyone's voices be heard. Yeah. So Robert's Rules, by definition, has to make sure that nobody talks unless they're spoken to. Yeah. And and to prove the point, I think, is what's really funny, because when people were trying to get their point across in this meeting, what was the response of the leadership? Was it to, to you know, invoke traditional governance? Was it to sit down? To, was it to, to let voices be heard? No. It was to do what? Call the cops. Yeah. Well, and apparently. That's so so not enough when we <laughs> protest crap, the cops get called on us. Now we can't even go to our own meetings and have our voices. Now we're going to get arrested.
0: Well, and it says a lot about this whole idea of democracy that these organizations claim to have. When somebody speaks up, so you would kick them out. Like mm-hmm. that That isn't a democratic way of doing things. There's, there's usually an opposition voice in a democracy. So to just, and I, I guess this table, some of the people at this table were, they attempted to kick them out the day before for the same thing, for daring to speak up or, or even just say, you know, heckle a little bit when a speaker said something about a certain topic. I don't even know what it was, but I mean, mm-hmm. these are not things that should have people kicked out or ejected from meetings in your own community, in your own n- nation, so to speak.
1: But I think that's the real problem. I mean, mm-hmm. if you look at the, the visuals, you look at the meeting, you look at the proceedings, at what point do we say colonial type politics? Yeah, doesn't work. Absolutely. It has, and in fact, not only does it work, it doesn't have any place in indigenous communities. Yeah. Because if our people can't go to a meeting to get answers, to have their voices heard, and our response to that is, well, this is this is democracy in action, or this is government in action, we have to question, well, then what kind of a government system is that, that we would even want that?
0: Yes. Well, that's just it. Like it, 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 That whole thing, right from the, you know, the picture you shared and some of the videos I saw, and I watched the, uh, somebody who was live streaming, and I watched that quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And just the way the whole thing was run, I mean, it, it is such a prime example of colonialism. Um, you don't well, get a more it, colonial it, meeting.
1: Well, absolutely. And even the, at the end of the meeting, when, when the average person finally has time, it's like an acceptance award at is at a you know, the the Grammys or something. You got your little two minutes. You yeah. go up and approach the you know the middle to the mic, and you say your two minutes worth of piece. And there's no response. There's no give back from the panel. Yeah, they just nod their heads. Next question. Yeah. Next question. And so, what's the point of asking a question if they're not even going to listen or they're not going to give you an answer?
0: Right. Well, exactly. And.
1: And so the point is is that this whole it really shows you in those final moments of these closing closing of the meetings how unaccountable the, the top part of this organizations are
0: yes yeah and and from what I heard like things like uh you know the budget which kind of should be a very important thing um it sounded like uh, from the way people were describing that it, it took about ten minutes to get the budget passed and move on to the next business of the day um mm-hmm. And at which just fa- I can't even fathom when you're talking millions of dollars, and yeah, let's just pass that and move on and
1: keep going. But the other challenge with that is is, is that you and I weren't there. But given the financial transparency of these organizations, what would you talk about? Yeah, did they break down the budget? Did they tell everyone <laughs> where the spending was going to go? Did they tell yeah. everyone what salaries are getting paid? You know, what what are the what's travel expenses a line item going to be for the year? how do you vote on something if you don't gonna put the the information out to talk about, yeah. you know, so then everybody sits there dumbfounded, you get your, uh, yeah, I second that, Bob, and we're off to the races.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then I, I guess there was a couple of uh, people that were there for the first time ever, and uh, they were kind of horrified by the whole experience to the point where they don't know, they don't see themselves coming back because they just didn't see that it was worth the time to even be there. Um, mm-hmm. the one guy I do have, the the one guy made a comment to, uh, somebody that, you know, it seemed like Mr. and Mrs. Speaker already knew who they were going to pick and choose and who they were going to listen to. And so it didn't matter if you had a respectful rebuttal. It didn't matter if you had something to say. You, they were, people were cut off. They were, uh, they cut off local presidents of, of their locals from, from speaking. And just got on with the order of business um, because they'd already heard mm-hmm. from who they wanted to. So it sounded, and and this was these guys saying that, you know, it was a very, it was more of a dictatorship than anything.
1: Um, well, but you and I know we, we both sat in enough Roberts Rules meetings. The agenda was set before the meeting was called. And, yeah. and they're not going to deviate from the agenda. No. And so if you want to make a point or you want to make a rebuttal, everyone just smiles and nods. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. cool. And then you're on to the next item because that's not in the agenda. It's not exactly. a discussion. You're here to either – you're either there to pass an agenda, a motion, or you're there to defeat a motion. That's that's all there is. So yeah. you either say yay or you say nay, and that's it. Then you're off to the next item.
0: Yeah, and honestly, uh, when when it comes to Robert Jules and, the you know, they had Mr. and Mrs. Speaker, which I understand were from Manitoba, M- Métis mm-hmm. Federation, and not from Saskatchewan, which was also – seem to be a, a sticking point for quite a few people. Um, but really you have these people and if they don't, you know, according to the rules, don't recognize somebody, then that person doesn't exist. And everything they said, mm-hmm. is it means nothing. It's like, you're just talking to the air. So yep. it, there's a lot of power put on two people in a room full of a few hundred Métis that want answers. They want their voice heard. They want to ask questions. They want to talk. And that's just yeah. not what Robert's Rules is built for. No. Or the non profit society. Opposite, yeah.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well and that's the thing is is that's what they govern by, right? It's just not a democracy. Which which if Metis people decided that's what they wanted to do is imitate, you know, the Westminster democracy system, that would be one thing. But we they, that's not what we've got. No. Nope. And that's not what this m- meeting exemplifies is that's not democracy at any any point, not only the farthest thing from traditional governance ever, is not even democracy.
0: Yeah, and not even not 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 even an inkling of democracy, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I think you know, for me, I I don't think that everybody there was bad people. I just think this is the system. This is what the system churns out. So if you're mm-hmm. in those positions, your job as Mister and Mrs. Speaker is to do this. This is your function, and you cannot deviate. Otherwise, the meeting is, is void um, because that's yeah. what's in the bylaws. That's what's in the rules. Um, <clears throat> now, you can actually change those bylaws to accommodate a much better system, but that would require the organization and the people that benefit from the system to change the system. Mm-hmm. And as we've seen in our federal politics, when you ask them to change the election system, and they promise to, yeah. and they realize, yeah. oh, that's not in our best interest. There's no change. <laughs> That's
1: right. So it, it's exactly. I mean, we're running into uh, provincial elections in Alberta, and I think in Manitoba, and you have these people running for office, and I, I like to believe that, that you know people are well intentioned, but I'm not sure the most well intentioned person in the world is going to get elected to this office and see a six figure salary plus expenses and all the fun things that come with it, and say. You know what's really the good thing, though, is if we get rid of
0: that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, 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 and can there's... they really get rid of it? I mean, you got... Okay, mm-hmm. so let's say in in Alberta, you you got six regions, seven regions? I think seven regions. Um, plus, you got the president and vice president. So that means you have to get the majority of those people together to put motions forward and pass them at your annual assembly to cha- make these changes. So if you had three really... Eager individuals for change. Are they going to actually get change, or are they just going to get chewed up in the system?
1: Well, it's it's like you were mentioning before. Though you're absolutely right. It's like the the speaker. You got elected to that position. How much of a majority? How many votes do you need? What kind of due process do you have to get the 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 governance, the bylaws for that position repealed, mm-hmm. so that you can institute new ones? Yeah. What, what's the process time on that? How many, much of a majority vote do you need? Uh, you know, what kind of special resolutions does that take? Yeah. And uh, I'm not sure we'll be alive long enough to see that kind of mass reform take place within any of these institutions.
0: No, I and, you know, we talked about this on previous episodes, especially here in Alberta, they're doing the whole coming up with their own constitution and things, which is strikingly similar to moving away from nonprofit into a an actual for-profit corporation, which frees Mm -hmm. them up in a lot of ways. So I don't, I don't see them making this huge change when a lot of these nations are realizing that, Hey, if we switch over and we roll over into something called a corporation that's for-profit, we actually get a lot more leeway. We're not restricted by these bylaws. We can just come up with some sort of constitution that guides us and Mm -hmm. like our constitution here in Canada, there's going to be some vague language used and there's going to be some implied terms. And so then what you're going to have is years of fighting. Well, does that violate your constitution? Does it follow the constitution? Well, now we have to Mm -hmm. have lawyers involved to fight our own constitutional battles. Like you're going from (laughs) one trench to the next trench, but you're still sitting in the mud no matter which one you're sitting in.
1: Well, I really don't think people understand that because um, I think the language that the M&A and these other organizations are using by is very misleading. When we talk about citizenship and we talk about, uh, you know, constitutions, those things, talk you know, make us feel very much like a nation. Yeah. But you can't have a nation within the nation of Canada. Yes. It's illegal. Yeah. So what are we really talking about if the government of Canada is not allowing us to be a free, independent people with our own constitution, governances, and laws, then what are we talking about? Well, you're absolutely right. It's a corporation. Yeah. And I think people need to wrap their heads around what is a corporate mandate, even if you want to call it a constitution, what's a corporate mandate versus societal bylaws? Yes. And I think if people did their homework on that, they would be startling It'd be startling. They might really wake up and go, wow, this is not a good deal.
0: Well, yeah, because the the one thing about the society bylaws is they are actually legally binding. Um, the government has to approve them. And once they're approved by the government of Alberta or whatever province you're in, those are legally mm-hmm. binding. And you can actually yeah. take the society to court for violating them. Now, a corporation's, I guess, rules that it entails yeah
1: yeah well it's a governance policy and and that's your you know code of ethics and these things that are talked about at a corporate level um are really at the whim of the electorate or what we would call the investors in the incorporation uh and that can change from time to time and be a much more fluid thing Uh, never mind the levels of bureaucracy that are allowed within a corporation through boards and subcommittees yeah uh, and such as much as funding will allow there's a lot less restriction. I mean, we're already looking at the uh, these uh, societies who are paying salaries to board members. Yes. And if you look at most societies, that's that's actually not allowed. You're only allowed an honorarium. And and so they're already having special leniences and, and such on the definition of a society. I can't even imagine how much more of these will be a problem of accountability once they switch over to you know, a corporation
0: exactly and and a corporation leaves it open for every time there's a shift in in power or president or whoever's running it, well, that means a shift in policies and changing of rules and and these mm-hmm. things don't necessarily have to be voted on by anybody other than the five people in the room at the time um so it yeah. it it's very misleading, and I know that like you said, the con word constitution makes people think well I have rights now and I am I'm am, I have a we're going to uphold the constitution and but I mean you see it look at our constitution of Canada and that's actually a legally binding document and how many court cases have we had to have from inuit first nation and metis people throughout its history yeah. just to make the government live up to what it said in the constitution so translate that to a, a, a nonprofit or a corporation that has a constitution, what's to hold them accountable? Who's to hold them accountable? Because um, it doesn't apply the same way as it does the Canadian constitution even. So... It,
1: well, and, and, and then you back that up and, and go back to talking about democracy. If we wanted to have a, a colonial-style nation with a colonial-style constitution... We're still not talking about adopting a colonial-style debate system or interactive system with or a multi-party system. Yeah. Of of this, this is a, still a one-horse race. With you know, it's like Canada with one party. You can you can vote the red guys or the red guys.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Who's yeah. going to be your leader? Exactly. Well, and th- and that's just it. Like you know, we do have a, a, in theory a democracy here in Canada. You get to vote for whoever you want. Blah blah blah. But essentially, whatever party gets in as the um, you know, majority government, well, now they get to do whatever they want. And they have no accountability, really, until the next mm-hmm. election cycle. And so <laughs> if they wanted to make a law that everybody had to wear purple on Sundays, they could. Because mm-hmm. their whole party would vote for it, it passes. Done. Now you're relying on the Senate to bring in any type of wisdom and, and logic. <laughs>
1: Right, and in, in, in a, and in the Metis Constitution and Metis governance, that's not doesn't even happen. We don't have a Senate. Yes, we well, and we, we uh, don't have any, any form of real government. We talk about democracy. When you use that word, it makes us feel good. And I think the problem is we're using a lot of words that make us feel good about life, but they don't really have any meaning.
0: Yes, and you know this ties into I guess the next topic we were going to talk about, which mm-hmm. was the money but going through... (laughs) It's always about the money. Show me the money! Absolutely. But, I mean, you want to talk about a democracy, but, um, you know, here's an organization that has how many members, and I think last time there was, like, you've you've worked it out, Jason, it's like less than 1% turned out to vote Mm -hmm. in their last election cycle, or right around 1%. Um, They don't do electronic voting, even though... I've, I, you know, this year I actually voted in the Alberta Party uh, uh, leadership thing because I had a friend and mm-hmm. was running for leader, uh, and it was all electronic. It was done on my, I did it on my phone. It was fantastic. Mm-hmm. It took me like three minutes, and mm-hmm. yet, you know, these the maintenance isn't there yet, and you know, you want to talk about a democracy, you can't have a democracy with less than one percent voter turnout, and you do nothing to to deal with that.
1: Um, well, and, it, you know, you talk about this, and you can go on Facebook, and I had a little bit of a discussion about this just today. With elections coming up, Is talking about early ballot boxes, talking about uh, where they're held, who's watching them, you know, voter turnout, how come last time polls closed early, blah, 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 yeah. voter fraud. The the problem is, is Métis people only constitute, if you took it at the census value, 114,000 people, they're, the MNA has th- oh, just over 30, what, 33, 34,000 members. Yeah. And those members are spread over a geographical area that's twice the size of England. Yes. How are you supposed to get voter turnout other than an Amitina County? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm not driving three and a half hours to go vote for the Madam President.
0: Well, and then where they have it is not in a you know um, a location that any is accessible to most of the province um, mm-hmm. and I know that they do I think they put ballot boxes up in their regional offices, but I don't know if mm-hmm. that's for the whole provincial thing or if it's just for that regional or it's all both um, but the truth is is okay, you have one ballot box in Calgary now mm-hmm. Calgary's 1.3 million people. For some people to get to that ballot box who would be voting in this region uh it could be that's like an hour car ride just to go across the city and depending on traffic and accidents and snow well, and
1: <laughs> like but but let's but let's break that down a little bit there's what 16,000 sixteen thousand eighty people that live in Calgary
0: uh yeah, I think it's sixteen uh, I think in the Calgary area, I think it's twenty five but yeah let's say sixteen
1: okay so so in the greater metro area. They put the ballot box in at the office and and we all know that Metis people are fairly well off, even in Calgary. Everybody owns their own car mm-hmm. and everybody can drive themselves.
0: Absolutely, yeah. Yeah.
1: You know, so I mean that in and of itself is we're talking about a huge barrier, a yes. huge access barrier based on the fact that we put an expectation on Metis people to get out, engage and vote, and then we say, Well, we'll pretty much make it impossible for you.
0: Well, and, and, and that's actually a really good point that I never even thought of until just now. When I when I think about where the location is for the Métis Region 3 office, um, it's not close to any C-Train line. So your public transit is difficult at best to get there unless mm-hmm. you're willing to walk quite a distance. Um, mm-hmm. So there's that. Uh, and the actual office itself is nearly impossible to see from the road because they've allowed all the trees around there to overgrow the front of the office. So the Métis Nation sign itself, you can't even read from the road. Um, (laughs) I know I was looking... I live literally five minutes away from their office of driving. And Mm -hmm. uh, I went looking for it one day. I've never been there, and I was looking for it. And it took me four passes by it before I realized, oh, that's the Métis Nation office. (laughs) And I looked looked dead on at it about four times. So... (laughs) You know, and, and there again, so I never even thought of that. Uh, you know, I'm glad you brought that up. this whole barriers to getting there I mean there's mm-hmm. no transit it's hard to find it's in one quarter of the city it's in the, up in the northeast it's it's hidden so yeah, yeah how, how, how are people and, even yeah, going to exactly.
1: get there and then multiply that now when you're in the rural areas so yeah it's no it's no wonder voter turnout is abysmal, but like you had mentioned before, in this day and age when your budget is $6 million a year, like it is in Alberta, I'm pretty sure that somewhere in there you can find money for downloading some election software.
0: Well, especially when you consider how much money they get for governance, which Mm -hmm. I would think an election is part of your governance. They get a, a few hefty millions just for governance alone. So I know that their money is allocated. They're not going to be able to spend housing money for an election mm-hmm. but they do get a lot of money for governance, so yeah, I mean, you know, I looked it up one day there's a website where you can do electronic secured electronic voting, and i think I think I worked it out for thirty five thousand people to be registered on the site. It would have cost i think some it was less than ten thousand dollars, I think it was like six six or seven thousand dollars, and it's a secured thing um it's you know well how hard is that it's a it's a it's a website like you literally just click on it go you vote you're done
1: <laughs> well and here but here's the hilarity of this is if if you and i two bearded guys who are are really nowhere can figure out how to download some software we can figure out the cost we can figure out how to make their cards work i'm at a total loss that in the you know the year 2018 <laughs> A government, yeah, the Métis government can't figure out how to make accessible voting for their members, unless the simple fact is they don't want to make it accessible.
0: Well, that's what it—that's what it—it it, it seems to be, and uh, you know, I think uh, as we go through some of their numbers, we're going to look at here. You know one of the things that I always I, I've seen people do this and and I have some stories that are maybe a long a little bit long and then to to tell right now but you know when when you when you look at your marriage if you're open and honest even if you screw up you do dumb things you know whatever it, at least if you're open and honest there's there's a little bit of trust there that you're going to be open and honest but it's when you start being secretive and trying to hide things or or appearing to hide things even if you're not doing anything wrong, it raises suspicion in the other person. Mm -hmm. So when you look at these organizations and maybe they aren't doing anything wrong, maybe there's no nefarious activities happening whatsoever, but it's the way they act that makes you think, well, how can there not be bad, shady things going on? (laughs) Because they, they they don't want to tell anybody about this. They don't want to release this information. They don't want to tell anybody about that. They want to hide this. They don't... Why don't they do electronic voting? Like you said, we're, we're two guys yeah. that figure... I, we figured that out in an afternoon. I'm not the smartest guy in the world on technology. <clears throat> so...
1: here, here. If you and I had an organization with 30,000 members, we already figured out how to make it available for everybody to vote.
0: Yeah, and for less than $10,000. Like, mm-hmm. like, I mean, you, you don't need ballot boxes even. You don't need electoral officers now. You don't need people sitting at polling stations all day to and paying mm-hmm. them. You, you,
1: like for so, 10- so, I mean, here's, here's, here's the reality. If 10,000 people came and supported our organization, we could have total electronic uh, interactive software and it would cost every member $1. Yes. That's I mean, less money than you're going to have to put gas in your truck, a bus ticket, or any other such yeah. BS to vote. Yeah, exactly. For a dollar, you don't have to get off your couch. Yeah. You don't have to turn the game off. You don't have to hit the pause button. And you could vote.
0: Yes. You can vote at commercial breaks. Mm-hmm. You could vote
1: when that's, you're sitting on the
0: C train going home.
1: <laughs> that's right. That you could vote while you're having coffee at work.
0: <laughs> exactly. That's exactly. the
1: kind of transparency that's available.
0: <clears throat> yes.
1: That's the that's the kind of accountability. That a real government, an honest government, would give its members.
0: Absolutely. So let's uh, let's talk about some of these numbers here. So I got in you you had posted uh, the salaries for Alberta, so I kind of got interested and I went, you know, I wonder how those compare to all the other nation organizations. Mm-hmm. And so I'm gonna we're gonna talk about some of the the figures here, but I want to make a, um, everybody aware that. We did not include the Métis Nation of Saskatchewan because their last audited financials were like four years ago, so they're kind of outdated. What uh, are you
1: kidding? When really though? When when was Alberta's? Uh,
0: twenty sixteen was the fiscal year, so.
1: Oh, real. So it's just about as recent. Then. Yeah,
0: it's. I twenty seventeen will be coming out. Uh, you know, probably by their annual election this year, but. Um mm-hmm. and then we didn't include the M and O because I couldn't even find theirs. They I don't think they published them. On their...
1: more uh, transparency
0: exactly right There, i I scoured their website so unless I'm completely out of it i I could not find them at all. I even googled it, them and I couldn't find them
1: well if somebody does find them, I'd still i have to see them they can oh, I'd, send it to
0: I'd, us. I'd love to see theirs um so really, we have the Métis Nation of b c Métis nation of alberta Man- Manitoba Métis federation, and then the the grand council the the you know the fire lord council there. Uh, the Métis National Council,
1: the Mister Man with his presidential seal.
0: Absolutely. So when I look across all of these, we only I only looked at a couple of things indicators because I thought these were the ones that really stood out for me. But overall, the overall revenue for these organizations, so the four I mentioned, was mm-hmm. a little over forty two million dollars. Um,
1: so forty two million dollars spread across four organizations. Four
0: or five organizations. Four, yeah, spread across four organizations. Now the mm-hmm. bulk of that, over half of that, was from one, which was the Manitoba Métis Federation. Um, they had revenues of almost twenty-seven million dollars, while everybody else, you know, Métis Nation of BC was fifty-seven or five point seven million, Alberta was six point two, and the MNC was three point four. So, um, so the other ones weren't. I mean, they weren't huge. I mean, we're talking a few million dollars, but. Manitoba, man, they're really doing something good.
1: <laughs> well, if you're especially if you're looking at a, a per capita basis, the uh, right? Manitoba guys must be really doing some some hefty lobbying, because uh, I don't really think they got half the Métis people uh, population wise as Alberta does.
0: Yeah, like I think they have somewhere between fifteen and twenty thousand members. Was the last yeah. numbers I heard. So now they they did have the highest revenue but they also had the highest salaries now i don't know how many people they have there um but 30 i would say 30 almost 36% of their revenue was spent on salaries which was is that,
1: dr- is that direct salaries or dr- salaries plus expenses
0: that is just your wages uh wages and benefits so wages and uh you know, uh, health benefits or whatever, like sun life or whatever, I'm assuming. Um and vacation time. So it was it was about nine and a half million dollars spent on salaries and benefits. That doesn't include travel or, you know, any you know, vehicle allowances or anything like It's just salary and, and vacation pay and stuff. So so that's wow. where there's at yeah. Alberta seemed actually pretty low compared to everybody's because they were about almost 900,000, um, in salaries BC was 1.1 million, a little over 1.1 million. And then the MNC was about 600,000. So everybody kind of was sitting between, um, I don't know, I'd say 15 to 20% of their revenue was spent on salaries except for the mmf which was almost 36 percent.
1: that's crazy so did you work out the math then on what would it be if you tacked in the the other expenditures like travel expenses and <clears throat> and and that kind of craziness
0: i did actually i went through because these were the three things i looked at was salaries professional fees and travel those are the only three things in the budget i looked at um so we went through salaries <clears throat> and now professional fees were amazing. Um, the only problem with these is in the Métis Nation of British Columbia's uh, financials, they actually didn't break down professional fees. I don't know why, but I'm sure it's just the way it, the auditing is done in, in BC. Um, so when I look at that, um, the MMF actually, even though they spent the most, it was percentage-wise, it was the least. They spent almost $2 million on professional fees. The MNC spent 1.2 million, which was about 35 percent of their revenue on professional fees. and Alberta spent almost the same as they did on wages. They spent about 800 to 900,000, a little over 800,000 on professional fees. So those are some pretty hefty professional fees, which I'm assuming is lawyers I, I can't think of anything else other than the legal fees.
1: Well, I well, you and I both know your books have to be bought, audit, uh, audited externally. Yeah. Um, so, so auditors, you know and... some some auditor stuff. But I'm trying to think, what major court case did Alberta have last year, other than fighting its own members? <laughs> <laughs> well, well, you know
0: that's important too. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so. Uh... I mean, mean, hey, if that's where the budget's going is to fight your own members in court, you know, a good way to spend, you know, what, was that 800 grand? Yeah, 800 grand, yeah. (laughs) Nice.
0: (laughs) Now, this is, the next one is travel, and this is the one that I I love, this one, because I cannot understand how these guys um, travel around. Um, So I did it two ways. Overall... Uh, obviously the MMF spends the most, with the MNC coming right up behind them. And again, the Métis Nation of BC, their audited financials didn't really lay out travel. So Alberta was sitting about 300000 in travel. The MMF was $1.2 roughly. And the MNC was almost a million in travel for a year. Mm. Now, if you work that out monthly, in case anybody's interested... Uh, <laughs> Just to kind Mr. of Matt. <laughs> well, I, but I think those are big numbers, and you think, oh, okay, well, 300,000, whatever, what does that mean? I don't know, it's you know, over mm-hmm. the course of a whole year, that seems like you know, maybe that's reasonable. Um, so I, I broke it out monthly on this one so that everybody could kind of understand, you know, there's 30 days in a month, okay? Well, what is mm-hmm. so in Alberta, you're spending about $22,500 per month on travel, um. The MMF is spending almost $100,000 per month on travel. And the MNC is spending almost $83,000 per month in travel. Um, so that's those numbers seem awfully high to me. I travel a lot for my job. I go to Fort McMurray. I'm in Fort St. John, Fort McMurray, down into Kindersley. I go all over the place, all over northern Alberta. I guarantee you that if I was traveling for my job, I wouldn't hit those numbers if I was traveling every five days a week.
1: Well, I mean, here's the good question. So how much did Alberta spend?
0: They're I'm spending traveling. about 22500
1: a month. I'd like to know if uh, our listeners feel that they're seeing their representatives $22,000 a month.
0: Well, that's just it. Um, Now, I realize that, you know, you look at the province of Alberta, it's a very large landmass. But realistically, that top half of the province isn't overly populated. Um, So you might have a trip or two to Fort McMurray, um, you know, Grand Prairie, Peace River, that kind of thing. Um, But most of your travel is going to be Edmonton, Calgary, Southern, like basically Edmonton South. And I just don't think it's like you could. I don't know. I mean, unless you're spending a lot on numerous people, it seems like a, a very high number to have twenty two thousand. Well, like
1: exactly. That's what I don't understand. I mean, how many times was an M and A representative up in Ship Lake or up in Fort McMurray or you know what are they doing? this does, does no one drive anymore? We only charter our own personal flights. Is that what's going on?
0: Well, that's just it. And then if you drive, like, uh, are they paying a huge amount for per kilometer benefits? Or, um, I mean, and the, the thing that really bothers me about these financials is, okay, so we got this 22500 for travel in Alberta. But what is that? What is, is it? Mm-hmm. Is it, you know, it, it'll say like accommodations uh, and meals. But, okay, well, what kind of meals? Like, how do you see the receipts? How do you see the expense accounts? Because I know I can go find my MLA's expense account. I can find my MP's expense account on their mm-hmm. website. And it breaks it down. Like for the month of March, here is what they spent. And mm-hmm. you can actually scroll down and see the actual receipt. So he went to the gas and sip and got a Slurpee. And
1: <laughs> you know, like, yeah. Where's well, I, that I don't same break I, I don't care where they eat their lunch. But at the same time, We have a lot of Métis people living in poverty. we got a lot of people who are really, you know, things are tight. And what we have is an organization that is spending almost, I mean, really, you're on the downslide to a million dollars on this line item called expenses. And we don't know who it's for. We don't know where they went. Yeah. We don't know who they saw. Yes. And I can guarantee you that if we polled most of our listeners, it wasn't anybody here. Yes. So who's traveling and where are they going?
0: Well, and, and you got to remember, this was back in 20, 2016 and then the first three months of 2017. So the traveling that they're all doing now means that they got a higher budget to get out there and travel. So all of these harvesting agreements, all of these constitutional talks, well, those are not, they must have a much bigger budget to get six people from Edmonton, including Madam President, to head out... To Conklin, Alberta for the day and, and do a talk. So and and those kinds of things, hey, if you if if and that's what I go back to this if you have if you're not hiding anything, just be open and honest with it. Because, you know, maybe twenty two thousand five hundred a month is reasonable if you're traveling up to this community, you're talking to these the president and, and the local and you're talking about this issue, and then you're moving over to this community and you're talking about this issue. But we don't know. Nobody knows what your traveling is. Nobody knows what you're doing. But,
1: well, at the same time, though, Darcy, like, I'd like to challenge that idea because the reality is, is the year is 2018. We have people living in poverty. we got people who don't have yeah. access to programs and services. And you and I are sitting here looking at each other while we talk on the phone. It, there's no reason that we need to be spending, as, as Métis people, $20,000 a month Yes. for people to go sit in a meeting face-to-face. Exactly. How much of this can we be, like our election issue, using technology to its advantage to make sure that those dollars go to where they're needed?
0: Absolutely. Um, you know, a month ago or so, I was uh, involved in a, an annual general meeting of a, the Métis Federation of Canada, and they they set it up as a as a web meeting. So people who across Canada who could not attend, who couldn't fly into where their meeting was and, and pay for hotels and all that, well, you could pull it up online, you could, you know, go to the web page, click in the meeting info, and boom, you're watching, a, watching it live. You, and you could even interact. There's like a, things you could be like, hey, I want to say something. And, you know, when, they, when they'd when see that, they would get to you, and then you could you could talk, and they could see you talking. And, yeah, mm-hmm. it was a total video thing. I, and I agree with you. Again, why is this technology somehow not available to the Métis Nation of Alberta or, or Saskatchewan or whoever this is? Um I, but but I don't know. Like are they even meeting with people in Alberta? Or is this travel to and from Ottawa constantly? I don't know. We'll never know. <laughs> you know, and I don't I don't have yeah. a problem with people ha- expensing lunch when you're on the road and you're traveling, I get that. But is it like the keg for lunch and supper and you're spending a hundred dollars per meal for one person? Or not? I, I don't know. And the thing is, that's the well, problem. And that,
1: yeah, and are we staying at a reasonable hotel, or is it jacuzzi <laughs> suites for everybody?
0: Exactly.
1: You know, we, we just don't know. And, and the thing is, I don't begrudge people. If you've got to travel, you've got to have somewhere to stay. You've got to eat sure. somewhere. Absolutely. But it's, it's the monthly expense. So you're looking at $20,000 in a month in Alberta yeah. for for this kind of corporate travel you know, in, in a business. You know, we talk about yes. if, the Métis, if the Métis nation is a nation. How is this different from then what what uh, levels of government are pulling off when we get all this stuff about you
0: know exactly.
1: politicians traveling around unaccountable you know flying all over here?
0: No, that's that's exactly it, and and that's what my you know when I when I said like we can actually go and see the receipts on these accounts. It's I don't care if they put tea on their expense account. They got a coffee at Starbucks in the morning, but they're out of town. Hey, that's fine. I don't care. The whole point is though is I can see it. So now I don't have that, well, what are they putting on there? Well, I don't know. Well, now I'm going to may- use my imagination to think what they're putting on there. You can go mm-hmm. to the expense account, and if it says $5,000, you go, okay, well, that seems high. And then you go through and go, no, this okay, well, that seems pretty reasonable. Okay. Like, and that's yeah. my point is the more mm-hmm. open you are, the less ammunition you give people.
1: Well, and I think what this really boils down to for me, when I mean, we talk about the add-up of this evening's conversation, is I don't understand why any Métis person would want to change the MA at all. Because what's happening in the m a is exactly what happens in all colonial politics. Yes. It's backroom meetings, it's paperwork signed and you don't find out till after. Yep. It's budget money spent, well, who knows where. It's politicians traveling around on your dime to who knows where. Yes. You know, doing who, who knows what. So obviously then really Métis politics is working quite well. Yeah. Because that's how it works for the rest of governments. Yeah. <laughs> so, so Métis people yeah. really should be quite ecstatically happy with how good their government is because it's exactly like the, the colonial government.
0: Yeah, and nobody ever has any complaints about the you know government of Canada or the government of their province. Not at all.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, but if you're going to whine about the the colonial system and all these BS politicians... But you're gonna sit up and say, Well, the Metis nation is our nation and these people are good. Well that's crazy talk.
0: Yes. And and I think the thing is is like for me, you know, I, I go back to this if you you're you're not gonna be able to run an organization for very long where everything's a secret. Um Now i understand that these organizations have been around a long time but let's face the reality they're coming into a lot of money or at least a lot of promised money here soon so when you look at communities that are living in poverty living in condemned housing and then you look at these guys traveling around at twenty two thousand dollars a month or nine a hundred thousand dollars a month um and you look at the salaries and you think geez. You know, over her time, Madam President has made over a million dollars just on her salary alone. Mm-hmm. And yet there's people living in condemned homes. So I I don't begrudge somebody a salary, but what's happening for your people? You can't draw that salary and then have people living in condemned homes and think everything's fine. And that's, I, I mean, that's what's happening. That's what's the colonial way. But I don't think that's a sustainable way to move forward as a as a nation of, of Métis people, um, these, every one of these numbers should be, bro- be able to be broken down into exactly what was spent and where and on why and who. And, and then we wouldn't even be doing a show cause we wouldn't have, we'd have nothing to complain <laughs> about.
1: Well, then, but then we, we would move on to something I think more, more important, but I think this the reality yes. is there's so much resources, so much inequality and and this is totally when we talk about these things, we talk about Metis people being an indigenous people. What in the world is this organization and its capacity to spend funds, how does that represent any indigenous values or value system? Yes. That that should be should be ours, should be intrinsic to the way we move.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um when when I look at these communities like Conklin, and realize that they've been like that, like, you know, they've been living in these places for over eight years, or seven or eight years. What, how is it over seven or eight years the, the nation hasn't been able to do anything for them? Mm-hmm. But they can spend, you know, eight hundred and forty thousand dollars a year on professional fees. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, you know,
1: um, but but at the same time, at the same time, what kind of a leader, and what kind of leadership says I can take a six-figure salary? plus benefits, plus yes. travel, while we have people who are literally sitting on the roadside allowance, squatting because yep. they don't have land of their own, <laughs> in something that would be and is condemned. Um, and, and this is the disparity. We have a huge gap between the people at the top and the people on the bottom. And yes. until we get that right, until we start to address this in a real meaningful way, I don't see why anybody with... Two cents to rub together, isn't fleeing the MNA.
0: Absolutely, yeah. And and uh, you know, I guess that for me boils it down. I mean, you know, you can, you know, say we're jaded or you know whatever, but the truth is, is this screams colonial politics. It is is. I, I don't know if we can paint a more colonial picture for people between the mm-hmm. the, the, the meetings in Saskatchewan, the the lack of. Uh, any, any ability to have true democracy here in Alberta and in the other provinces and then you look at these numbers and you see people in the community suffering well the few really benefit guess what that is, that is the colonial way, the few benefit while the other people suffer the most and yep. those with the least suffer the most it, it's not an equality system
1: And I really think the time is over to stop stop talking about let's reform the system. You know, get involved and reform the system. The Métis Nation of Saskatchewan proves the whole thing went defunct. They had the chance to build it from the ground up. Yes. The organization, I mean, what was the biggest pet peeve out of that? Is that the head office, the MNC, is in charge. The parent organization is in charge. It has dictatorial power and meeting power in the Métis Nation of Saskatchewan. Yes. There isn't the ability to reform. And if we're going to reform, how much longer are we going to let people sit on the roadside? How much longer are we going to let them sit in poverty? How many more people have to stand in a meeting and be not denied, denied a place to sit and be humiliated? How many more hecklers or dissents have to get the cops called on them before we realize this system has run its course and it's time to do something different?
0: Exactly. Absolutely. Well said, my friend. We are uh, hitting the hour mark, so I think we'll leave it at that. Um, you know, guys, if you have any uh, questions or you have any comments about what we've talked about tonight, make sure you send us an email at mateypodcast@gmail.com. at gmail.com. And I just want to remind everybody that uh, we do have that Patreon account, so if you want to get exclusive uh, access to, to interviews and, and some, some really cool episodes that are only available to our patrons, head to the link in the description and check us out and uh i think for jason and i we're both done ranting tonight so until next week until next tuesday i hope everybody has a great week go be a great ancestor and until then the jig is up you are the spark that's starting a fire that will spread across this land and don't be a fire that doesn't burn but a fire that cleanses a fire that ignites in our hearts and creates light no more living in darkness
1: our time now is